This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. It's time for Pope Pope Parliament, our daily roundup of what is happening at the Dewan Rakyat. Before the Q&A session began, Dewan Rakyat Speaker Tansri Johari Abdul took some time to pray for all children, especially those in Gaza. So this is uh, coming in conjunction with World Children's Day and the Speaker reminded MPs that trustees of children, this includes parents and teachers, must ensure that children grow up free from from discrimination, violence and exploitation. Dunia menyambut Hari Kanak-kanak Sedunia. Tarikh penting untuk kita semua memperbaharui tekad melindungi hak kanak-kanak berdasarkan Convention Hak Kanak-kanak pada tahun 1995 terutamanya berkaitan dengan hak kanak-kanak iaitu kelangsungan hidup, perlindungan, pembangunan serta penyertaan kanak-kanak. Justru saya mengingatkan bukan saja kepada ahli-ahli yang berhormat malah kepada semua pemegang amanah termasuk ibu bapa, penjaga, para pendidik, sektor korporat dan awam serta masyarakat seluruhnya agar sentiasa menjalankan tanggungjawab dalam memastikan bahawa mereka dapat membesar bebas dari diskriminasi, keganasan, eksploitasi dalam suasana yang selamat dan sejahtera. Alim Rahmat, kini warga dunia begitu terkesan dengan konflik Palestin-Israel yang semakin meruncing. Sehingga hari ini, lebih 700,000 kanak-kanak di semenanjung Gaza kehilangan tempat tinggal dan lebih 4,600 orang telah kehilangan nyawa dan hampir 9,000 orang lagi cedera. Marilah kita mendoakan agar semua kanak-kanak khususnya yang berada di Senanjung Gaza diberikan perlindungan daripada sebarang bentuk kezaliman. That was Dewan Rakyat Speaker Tan Sri Johari Abdul on the resolve to protect children's rights. Moving on, the first issue brought up today was on mental health. Parit, Sulang, Parit Sulong MP, Datuk Sri Dr. Noraini Ahmad, wanted to know the latest achievements of the National Centre of Excellence for Mental Health. The Health Minister, Dr. Zaliha Mustafa, fielded this one and she replied that the mental health crisis hotline had recorded over 26,000 calls. Uh, she added that the number comprised nearly 17,000 callers who had then received emotional support assistance. Pemujudan Talian Bantuan Krisis Kesihatan Mental, Talian Hill 15555, itu have with empathy and love dan Talian Bantuan ini memberikan akses terus kepada pegawai psikologi counselling. Sejak setahun dilancarkan sebanyak 26,139 panggilan telah diterima di mana 16,942 pemanggil menerima bantuan sokongan emosi dan 9,197 klien menerima intervensi khusus oleh pegawai psikologi kaunseling. Sebanyak 217 kes adalah melibatkan tingkah laku bunuh diri yang mana 99 kes adalah idea bunuh diri dan 118 kes lagi adalah kes cubaan bunuh diri. Jadi semua klien yang cubaan bunuh diri ini Alhamdulillah telah diberikan intervensi dan dibawa ke hospital bagi pendapatkan rawatan.
separately on the status of the My Minda module on the MySajatra app that was launched on the 21st of October, Zaliha said a total of 17,300 mental health screenings have been recorded in less than a month. Uh, she went on to say that the MyMinda feature allows users easy access to mental health screenings and then those who are at risk of mental health uh, struggles or issues will have direct access to psychoeducation resources. Modul ini sebenarnya dalam MyMinda uh, kita baru laksanakan uh, ketika uh, kita melancarkan sambutan Hari Kesihatan Mental Sedunia iaitu pada 22 Oktober tahun ini. Uh, jadi ini adalah sebenarnya satu uh, platform eh, digital yang boleh digunakan uh, oleh orang ramai untuk meng, uh, melihat status uh, minda masing-masing. Yeah. Jadi uh, data yang kami ada uh, se- sejak ia dilancarkan tidak sampai sebulan yang berhormat iaitu pada 15 November 2023 uh, kita dapati dalam <coughs> My Sejahtera ini telah ada sejumlah 17,300 saringan uh, yang telah dilakukan. Dan daripada situ, sebanyak 3,983 iaitu 23% daripada saringan itu kita dapati mempunyai risiko kemurungan. Kemudian 15% lagi iaitu 2,592 mempunyai uh, risiko keresahan. Jadi individu-individu yang mempunyai risiko begini, mereka sebenarnya ada akses secara terus melalui My Sejahtera, My Minda ini, bahan-bahan psiko pendidikan yang boleh dilihat terus ataupun jika mereka mahu mendapatkan apa ni, bantuan dari sudut counselling dan sebagainya, mereka boleh menghubungi talian bantuan krisis kami iaitu talian HIL di nombor saya sebutkan lagi sekali 15555 dan 4 kali 5. The health minister also expressed concern over mental health issues that affect children living in PPRs around the Klang uh, Valley. And this was after Batu Pahat MP on Abu Bakar stated that over 12% of children living in PPRs suffered from mental health issues, uh, with some even having uh, suicidal tendencies. So Zaleha said she hoped there would be a collaboration between the local government development ministry and at the health ministry to look at cramped living conditions as a factor in children's mental health. Ini juga adalah satu um, fenomena ataupun satu perkara yang memang sangat membimbangkan kemudian kesihatan Malaysia. Jadi apa yang kita lakukan, uh, kita ada eh, modul-modul uh, program juga bersama dengan remaja ini. Tetapi lebih daripada itu uh, yang berhormat dan juga yang dipertua, sebenarnya kita dalam uh, kerajaan ini, kita kena bekerjasama interagensi juga. Ya? Jadi apabila kita kata PPR menjadi sebahagian daripada uh, kanak-kanak ataupun remaja PPR adalah sebahagian daripada uh, mereka yang mengalami kesihatan mental atau sebab-sebab internet itu, maka kita kena juga bekerjasama dengan contohnya KPKT atau mereka-mereka yang membangunkan perumahan ini kerana Mungkin ya. juga kita dapat tahu bahawa keadaan ataupun tempat tinggal yang sangat tidak selesa dan tidak kondusif itu sebenarnya memberi juga sumbangan kepada kesihatan mental khususnya kepada kanak-kanak. Ini biasa ya. kadang-kadang kita melihat satu macam flat di PPR itu tempat yang sangat kecil, dua bilik dan sebagainya tetapi sehingga tiga generasi berada dalam rumah yang sekecil itu. Jadi itu sebenarnya perlu dibuat satu kolaborasi yang strategik bersama dengan agensi-agensi pusat yang lain. 
That was Health Minister Dr. Zaliha Mustafa speaking on the state of mental health, uh, specifically amongst children living in PPRs around the Klang Valley. We'd like to hear from you. Do you think where you live affects your mental health? You can call 7733 900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Up next, Sri Gading MP Aminol Duda Hassan wanted an update on the government's proposal to implement a one-session school system, which, as we know, has yet to be implemented um, till now. So Deputy Education Minister Lim Hui Ying replied that MOE is currently working on the proposal and that they intend to implement it across the nation soon. Dari segi satu sesi persekolahan, memang ini adalah satu matlamat yang KPM uh, berhasrat untuk mencapai itu semua sekolah hanya satu sesi. <laughs> semua sekolah hanya hadir satu sesi Tetapi untuk memastikan uh, Semua aktiviti seperti yang disebutkan oleh uh, Yang berhormat tadi dapat dilaksanakan Tetapi memandangkan kita memang uh, Tidak dapat tetapi kita dalam proses untuk memastikan Semua ini memang dalam plan rancangan kita KPM untuk memastikan uh, Untuk mencapai okay, uh, Setiap sekolah ada hanya satu sesi and in response to the issue of there being too many students in one class, um, especially when it comes to schools that are in densely populated areas, uh, Hui Ying said that the ratio of students to each class is encouraged, um, you know, or is ideally no more than 35. She also added that the ministry is taking this issue seriously and will discuss whether there was a need to build new schools in densely populated areas in order to tackle this issue of overcrowded classrooms. There is segi. Uh, nisbah murid kepada setiap kelas Pada KPM nisbah kita adalah satu kelas Tidak tidak digalakkan melebihi 35 orang murid Kita memang uh, kalau boleh uh, Kita nak uh, optimumkan yang kelas ini adalah 35 orang murid Tetapi pada hakikatnya Memang kita semua tahu uh, Setengah-setengah sekolah memang kurang daripada 35 Tapi juga ada sekolah terutama di kawasan yang padat Kita ada sampai 40, ada yang pun sampai uh, 50. Seperti tadi dari uh, yang berhormat uh, Sungai Buloh, memang itu ada keperluan, uh, sebab itu ada ke, uh, keperluan untuk mendirikan sebuah SMK lagi. Jadi ini kita akan memantau uh, dengan serius uh, jika ada keperluan di kawasan itu untuk mendirikan sekolah baru, kita memang akan uh, membuat uh, persiapan dan perundingan. Uh, that was Deputy Education Minister Lim Hui Ying. What do you think about these measures to uh, reduce the number of students in classes, capping it at 35, as well as to move to a one-session school system since both look like they'll be happening pretty soon? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Moving on, Aitam MP, Datuk Sri Dr. Wee Ka Siong, wanted to know how the government will be addressing the road safety issues uh, involving personal micro-mobility vehicles like electric scooters and mopeds. So, for the who and of course, uh, Dr. Wee is also the former transport minister. He asked if these vehicles must obtain licenses, particularly when using them on major roads. The Deputy Transport Minister, Datuk Hasbi Habibola, said that you know, essentially situations or cases in which micro-mobility vehicles were used to cross the highway, they're dangerous, but they're not a significant issue. He added that there was no need to license these micro-mobility vehicles, saying that there was public backlash previously when the government suggested creating licenses for bicycle uh, users. 
Jadi timbul berkaitan dengan soal lesen nyeberang jalan. Mungkin tentang lesen inilah. Memang ada yang dibincangkan sebelum ini. Pernah disuarakan. Macam mana nak bagi lesen basikal ke? Even basikal pun dulu pernah ada lesen basikal. Lepas tu sekarang tak ada lesen basikal lagi. Apakah nak ditimbulkan lagi basikal juga berlesen? Ataupun moped-moped ini juga berlesen? This is something that we need to look lah. Sebab... Dulu pernah disuarakan tetapi respon kepada rakyat is not so apa nama mungkin perkara ni kecil tetapi ya yeah, maybe small but uh, dangerous for them actually on the road lah on the public road especially mixed traffic That was Deputy Transport Minister Datuk Hasbi Habibullah. We want to hear from you. Have you encountered micro-mobility vehicles like e-scooters on the road? Should they be licensed? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Actually, at this point, I would like to ask whether anybody else has observed one sad um, abandoned e-scooter by the side of the, I believe it's the Mahameru Highway. Um, <laughs> no, have you seen it? I see it every time, every time I take that road. And I wonder who did this? <laughs> who was just about to head onto a major highway and panicked and then just abandoned ship? Well, yeah, because what else would they do? I mean, you either walk it, scoot it or abandon Walk it while wheeling the scooter, that's what I mean. So it might not be a significant issue and I'm not suggesting that policy be built on this one e-scooter that I pass on a regular basis. But I will say that listening to that clip and then um, thinking about this one, very sad, it's slightly sideways, <laughs> like just kind of leaning at the side of the road has me wondering. Oh my God, there's a Saya Sebuah e-scooter story in there somewhere. Somebody's writing saying. it in school as we speak. Um Now, before we wrap up Parliament today, I think it's worth saying that you may have noticed that it's remarkably free of interruptions, that um, things have kind of been moving along, people are speaking in full sentences, <laughs> there's not necessarily the same kind of chatter that there usually is, and that's because nearly half of the Dewan Rakyat was unoccupied during the sitting this morning, with most of the empty seats coming from the opposition bloc. Yes, just in case you thought all that peace and quiet was because of good behaviour. Anyway, Dewan Rakyat Speaker Tan Sri Johari Abdul told present MPs that since so many were absent, he would allow three supplementary questions compared to the usual two. And Thampin MP Datuk Mohamad Isa Mohamad Isa raised the issue several times, saying that ministers were present even if the opposition was not. Sebelum menteri jawab, sebelum menteri, oleh karena kita dapati ramai ahli parlimen tidak habis, saya akan membuka peluang kepada setiap soalan yang dijawab ni untuk tiga soalan tambahan. Dan si speaker bukan ramai tak adil Seorang pun pembangkang tak ada pada hari ini Inilah PL pembangkang Dan si speaker Yang tu tak apa, biar speaker yang cakap Sekarang saya jemput uh, Tuan Jimmy Pua Wisi Tebrau Terima kasih Dan si speaker Datang parlimen, pembangkang tiada Nasib baik, menteri ada Soalan nombor tujuh Baik, saya benarkan tiga soalan juga Untuk tajuk ini Silakan So you may be wondering Although I don't think many of us are. If you were reading the news, you knew where they were. But you may be wondering where these opposition MPs were, um, as opposed to sitting in the Dewan Rakyat. It was later confirmed by Pontian MP Datuk Sri Ahmad Maslan that they were in Putrajaya attending a mass demonstration that had been organised by Perikatan Nationals leaders.
thereby inspiring that two-line panton you just heard. That's all for today's session of Parliament. Here's a quick rundown of the topics that were covered. We heard about mental health concerns, uh, particularly amongst children living in cramped conditions in PPR flats. Um, we also heard about min- the Ministry of Education intending to implement a one-session school system and capping class sizes at 35 students. And finally, about micro-mobility vehicles not needing a license to be on the road. So if you have thoughts on these, send them through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Building Fit Malaysians, BFM 89.9. It is 5.38. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about the... Um, the session today at Parliament on Pope Pope Parliament. Uh, some of the things that came up, mental health concerns amongst children living in cramped conditions, uh, the uh, proposal by the Ministry of Education to have a one-session school system, as well as to cap the number of children in classes to 35 students, as well as micro-mobility vehicles and uh, whether they need a licence to be on the road. So send your thoughts through on that. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Uh, we have a message that has come through on the issue of mental health from Edward. Edward says, yes, where you live does affect your mental health. For example, if you live in a condo with uh, inconsiderate neighbours, it can drive you nuts. Having said that, I live in a higher-end condo and there are still suicides. Also, yes, it's a good move to reduce students, of course. One session is great. And also, yes, e-scooters are a great micro-mobility option. We should allow them freely. Um, So... The scooters has really struck a nerve. Lots and lots of messages have come in on that. Before we move on to that, though, I think, Edward, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the where you live does affect your mental health because this whole thing about how living in cities um, may be a greater contributor to mental health struggles than previously thought, uh, or at least, you know, in terms of it being supported by numbers, is something that's come up in Parliament a fair amount recently. I think the last two sittings have both had mentions of similar things. So you're right. And and I don't know how much of it has to do... I think certainly living in um, financially... Uh, I think living in a financially more uh, financially tighter situation certainly doesn't help. But it is true that in general, crowding... Um, you know, living in high density spaces. I don't think that's good for most people. No, and and uh, I suppose that the lower you go on the uh, economic ladder, the challenges of that is also more difficult to mitigate, right? Because are there enough social activities? Are there enough public spaces? Are these spaces safe? Um, are there access, um, you know, you, whether in terms of walkability or public transport? So there are multiple layers that can affect, that can basically draw that line between uh, why mental health is so tied to the space you live in and what that experience is like. So, as you said, Lynn, lots of thoughts coming through about e-scooters uh, or micro-mobility vehicles um, in a larger sense. Let's start with this from Roberto. Hi. Uh, regarding the e-scooters and micro-mobility, I really find hard to believe that the government is not facilitating the usage of these vehicles. 
instead of that, they are forbidding it and creating some of risk and everything. Why we don't try to make them more affordable and create the spaces for them to be used? The last mile that is always the problem with public transportation could be easily covered with these micro mobility devices. I think it's just a matter of Yes, they should be licensed because they need to comply and they need to observe the regulations that the government have to put in place. But that's precisely the point. Banning them or just uh, not allowing them to be used is plain ridiculous because this can sort it out a huge problem of the last mile. These vehicles can easily solve that problem and make the public transportation system even more uh, accessible to more people. I don't know. I mean, we should be doing more to promote this in the right way, of course, not just uh, uh, with, with, with whatever regulation, because right now there's nothing. Just do not use them on the road. My two cents. Roberto, thank you for that. I mean, I, I think your your I mean impassioned uh, support of micro mobility vehicles, particularly when it comes to the last mile connectivity, is absolutely on point. Um, and I agree. I think really, what it needs to come with is regulation, not just an outright ban or knee jerk reactions in terms of how to police the usage of them. Yes. Regulation and enforcement, I must say. Yes, which I think is also coming up in this other voice note uh, that came through from Bing. Yeah, micro-mobility uh, vehicles, license? Yeah, I think so. You know, have you ever seen those kids running around, I mean, riding around neighbourhoods and even on the streets of KL? They are big nuisance, you know. Sometimes even late at night, you see them zooming by. I thought I saw a ghost at times, you know. But it's crazy. These uh, not only kids, adults as well, and they they should be punished. Even though you know you ride at your own risk, but you're causing a lot of distractions to road users. So they you can't put them on pedestrian uh, walks. You can't put them on the roads. And if you need them to move around, then I think license should be something mandatory, lah. Right? Because. You know, you, you will cause a you will it will cause an accident, uh, a very bad one one of these days. And I kid you not, you go around Monkiara, all right. You see all these matsales on all these uh, all these scooters. My goodness, they are the biggest nuisance actually. They zoom by uh, downhill in the middle of the night, uh, and causing a lot of disruptions. My goodness. Punish them, punish them. Especially uh, about the license. Do you know that in those days, I think uh, uh, in the earlier days, I mean, that shows my age already, uh, there is actually a license for bicycles, you know. So yeah, I would say recommend that in. And also, um, if to make it more, of, uh, to make it viable, is that if the vehicle has the ability to go beyond a certain speed limit, Right, then, uh, then you re it requires a license. Right, e vehicles definitely runs faster than you know a, a bicycle that you gayung on your own. Bing, uh, thank you for those very specific examples. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I take your point and I think it's a fair one that um, without regulations, it can be really difficult to decide where that line of safety versus convenience is. 
Okay, so just to be a, um, not to put too fine a point, a, a difficult person, <laughs> we generally, we have driver's licenses. There are still many, many bad drivers on the road. What it does do though, is it gives you a layer of, um, a, a layer of, a layer of difficulty, right, in terms of gaining access to a car and then being a bad driver. So I think when we hear these sorts of stories, and frankly, anybody who drives around the city or walks around the city will have encountered exactly this. People zipping past, um, looking as if they have no idea where they're going or what they're doing. And it is true that if we want to start thinking about them as a solution and not just as something that we're going to offer, frankly, tourists, then we do need to start talking about education, awareness, licensing and enforcement, which we keep coming back to. Uh, Cheryl says, yes, e-scooters should be regulated and licensed. They can help to improve first and last mile connectivity to public transport nodes. Regulatory legitimacy will also attract investments. If the government is scared that it will be out of control, they can start with a regulatory sandbox pilot. I like that idea. I mean, I, I do think that this is um, this is as yet something that's relatively new, right? So I think it might take a little bit of trial and error. I do think, though, like uh, the fact that we don't license bicycles does make it a little bit more difficult to extend that point to micromobility. And perhaps we need to be looking at a completely different model altogether. I'm not sure. But I do think that as it stands right now, this no man's land is why we're getting into so many problems. We do have some other messages that are offering different perspectives, though, about what they could be for. So Lee Jun says, I think e-scooters and micromobility vehicles should only be licensed to users with special needs and medical problems as certified by a doctor, for example, severe lung or heart disease or the elderly. And Lee Jun, I see where you're coming from, but then considering their speed and considering where it is people would be using it, I think licensing it to users with special needs without then having more controls over still where they can go with it remains an issue, no? Yes, because then it still is about the safety of both the user of said vehicle um, as well as the uh as well as others who are driving or pedestrians. But I think what Legion might mean is that then they would have the license to be, and, and it would make it easier to monitor, I suppose. That doesn't stop the highway problem. This is true, yes. Yeah. So we do need rules. So beyond the license, we also need regulations in terms of where they'd be allowed and how. Similarly, Carmen says, follow China's example. You can't exceed 25 kilometers per hour, so it's a maximum 48 volts, 400 watts engine. The weight should be lower than 55 kgs and not on highways. Yeah, I mean, actually, that's interesting to know. I did not know that. Um, but clearly, there are already models that we could look to to make this happen. Um, and, and that's an interesting way to look at it as well, because it, it uh, sort of caps it at speed, it caps it at size, uh, which gives you an indication of how and where they might be used. You know, the, the highway thing, I keep coming back to that partly because, um, like I said, I keep passing this abandoned e-scooter <laughs> right by a highway and I look at it and think somebody somebody freaked out. Um, but also because I, I have to say that knowing Malaysians, the highway thing is a real issue. It is a genuine problem. Well, you know, I'm thinking about bicycles, honestly, and, and <laughs> I don't cycle. I am certainly not saying let's start licensing bicycles. Um, but think about bicycles and the fact that we do have rules in terms of where they can go and, and how they should be used for, um, you know, on roads. And yet we see so many cyclists mm. not adhering to those rules at all. So I do think that um, regulating, enforcing 
might be one way to circumvent that issue. Uh, we have a voice note that has come in. This is from Aaron. Good evening, BFM. So I actually support the idea of getting license for using an e-scooter because to my understanding, in order to get a license, you need to make sure your scooter is in a good condition. You need to make sure you buy an e-scooter that comes from a reliable sources because nowadays we know there are so many manufacturers that manufactures e-scooter. So to ensure that the riders are using e-scooter with the with a decent quality one, so it should be licensed. But of course, my suggestion is perhaps the license fees, you guys can, they, they can make it like annual thing, you know. You don't have to pay that that much of money to in order to renew a license probably can set up uh, with the affordable prices so that you can regulate the license and also to protect the users the rider thank you Aaron, I'm glad you brought up the issue of cost because I actually do think that if we move towards licensing which to be clear uh, the deputy minister did say we're not yet going to do. But if we do move towards it, I think making it affordable is absolutely essential um, because it's not really meant to be to make money. It's meant to be a way to monitor users. That's or true. Or rather, good behaviour. Monitor users sounded so dystopian suddenly. Well, that's true. But then Jeff is also saying, license the e-scooter micromobility thingies, then use the money to build proper lanes for them along with proper regulations thereby bringing in how taxes are supposed to work in the first place. Yes. Keep your thoughts coming. We are talking about um, micromobility vehicles and whether licensing is one way to uh, make sure that they're safe, that make sure that they are they work well. Um, or are there other regulations we could be looking at? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. It is 5.53. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about micromobility vehicles because earlier today in Parliament, there was a question brought up about um, safety, regulating and whether we plan to license uh, micromobility vehicles like e-scooters and mopeds. So we'd like to hear from you. What do you say? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. We have plenty more thoughts that have come in. Yeah, uh, let's start with Azami, who says we should provide designated areas rather than licensing. For example, within recreational areas, residential tamans, etc. Prohibit them from highways, busy areas, plus put up notices to warn other road users. And Azami, I think, you know, what strikes me about your point is that... Um, so the designated areas would surely come with a fair amount of regulation, which is how they can get enforced, right? That if you take them out of said areas, then then that's a problem and you can get summoned and so on. Um, but I think that I'm just thinking about where some stations are, um, LRT stations, MRT stations in particular, and they are not necessarily... You, you can't get there without at some point crossing through a highway or a busy area, a commercial area at the very least, if not an outright highway. And so then it really depends what we think the mobility vehicles are for, whether they are meant as a last mile solution or whether they are meant as um, 
a for fun kind of thing. Yeah, Azami, um, I see what you're saying when we're talking about it purely as recreation. Uh, that or, 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 as an, uh, or as a way to get around your taman. Around your taman or in, in you know, shorter distances. But if we are looking at it seriously as a last mile connectivity thing, as a get few, uh, keep fewer cars on the road thing, then we do need to be thinking about how the vehicles will navigate let's say, longer distances or areas where there are only highways connecting one area to another. Um, a number of people, well, actually, you know, we do have a voice note, so let's do that first. This is from Mike. Hi, I think micromobility must be licensed and also be uh, regulated because when we are talking about a high-density main road with a lot of traffic, a lot of cars, a lot of motorbike, then it may be a hazard. And if there's more micro-mobility uh, scooters on the main road, that will create a lot of traffic issues. But if it is the last lap of connectivity uh, in a smaller town area, then I think it makes more sense because there's less traffic. So I think that would be my thought. Mike, um, I actually think that that brings up some very important and relevant points. Yes, um, and in some ways lines up with what Azami was saying earlier as well, the question of where it's fit for use. Mm. Um, Hakim is saying, on the subject of PMD, that's personal mobility devices, that is a very Malaysian way of regulating things. If it's new and safety-wise, um, you know, it's arguable, then ban first. Because if anything happens, people will cry, why didn't the government do something? Actually, I heard that MOT and Miros is doing a sandbox program in Shah Alam. Um, and so I feel that we are in a dilemma about which one is our aim. Do we want more public transportation share, then we need to support PMDs. You want more private cars, then you don't allow them. I think we know the answer already. Shariza says, a car-centric mindset will always want to prioritise the car and punish other road users, which I think is is very much at the heart of um, so many central problems within our transportation system. The, the thing about Shah Alam, though, is it's true, and this is the year in which they're doing it. From what I can gather, it started in March of this year. So by, uh, well, we're almost at 2024. So pretty soon, I think, we'll be able to find out what the outcome is of that regulatory sandbox. So I want to ask, though, right, how much of this scepticism around regulation versus uh, licensing or how we want to do this has to do with the fact that Culturally speaking, as a nation, we're actually pretty bad with keeping to these rules. I used the example of bicycles earlier, but across the board, right, if you talk about motorcycles, if you talk about cars, if you talk about parking, we have laws, we have rules, and yet we see people flouting them. And that's a very cultural thing. It is. And I also think sometimes that uh, collectively we are very fast and loose to say, where's the enforcement? Yeah. When, of course, people could ask you back, and in fact, I would, um, and say, yeah, but shouldn't you also be self-regulating? You know, yes. it, it doesn't fall always to, we shouldn't always rely on Like because enforcers. you can, you do, is not really the answer. Um, and that, I think, is, it's why I keep coming back to, it's why I keep coming back to, I think we need a, pretty strict approach when it comes to micromobility vehicles because you're really unprotected. Um, you're really unprotected. Right now, if you do license it, if you do allow people to use it in specific ways, it's not going to stop people from taking it from taking it to spaces that it shouldn't be in. I, I just don't believe that people will, will do it on their own. 
we are running out of time, but actually a couple of people bringing up points about accountability that I thought we should get to. Johnny says, micromobility is one of the last mile solutions, but don't forget about the legal aspects uh, where if any accident happens involving a scooter, who's responsible? It should be if the car cam recorded that the scooter was at fault, there are legal issues that need to be addressed. For those vendors who are providing the solutions, they need to be regulated under the Ministry of Transport. Bing, meanwhile, is back to say, insurance, think about that. If an e-scooter hits you, who is liable? I don't know, but I mean, it's a, it is a very real problem and it's part of why you need that. I think Benjamin's point is great, just to close off. Uh, licensing is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to regulations. The problem with the e-scooter is that it is a brand new form of transportation that overlaps with the size of a bicycle, but the speed of a motorcycle. Yeah, I think that actually really does hit all of the, the points that we've been talking about. Keep your thoughts coming. We are talking about um, micromobility vehicles and whether licensing is one way to um, make sure that they're safe, that make sure that they are they work well. Um, or are there other regulations we could be looking at? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.